Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Coming up on this week's show, why USA fans should be concerned about CONCACAF games on pay-per-view, our thoughts about NBC's inconsistent TV coverage, how much of an impact match analysis has on TV ratings, what games to watch during the international break, plus we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host, Kartik Krishnar. Now, Kartik, uh, probably some podcasts probably take a break over the international break and think, okay, there's not much to talk about. I mean, it's it's your humdrum international games. It's different this time, though. We've got uh, World Cup qualifiers from the Conmebol region. So this is the first games, round one, featuring, I mean, the Brazils, the Argentinas, the Ecuadors, Colombias, etc. Uh, UEFA Nations League, yeah, there's some games on, some interesting games. Nothing really jumps out at me. Uh, and then there's, actually, and this is this is something that's got uh, flown under, under the radar, but we have the Euro 2020 uh, playoffs. So we have countries such as the Republic of Ireland, Scotland, Serbia, Norway, uh, trying to make the final four teams to make it into Euro 2020, which will be happening next summer. I, I, I know you're not a biggest, a big fan of uh, the international stage in general, but are there any matches uh, of those that you might be interested in, Kartik? Uh, no, I, I'm actually excited by the ability and opportunity I'm going to have this weekend to watch three WSL matches on NBCSN uh, and additional NWSL matches uh, elsewhere. So I'm actually going to focus on the women's game while the uh, men's, the top men's pro leagues are on a break. So I'm actually uh, not going to focus on internationals. I haven't thought about them. I don't know who's playing whom, uh, but I am uh, pretty uh, 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 geeked up. <laughs> that's the right term for a big weekend in, in uh, of uh, women's super league action. And there's been some great, uh, uh, action in that league and, and cup competition, etc., in England's women's league uh, this year, and just such an influx of players, of, of big name players, particularly Americans, uh, this uh, this uh, close season 
to England that uh, they they uh, I'll give NBC credit they got me pretty fired up with the Alex Morgan feature and I had already looked at the program schedule and saw uh, they were showing Man City Chelsea which is perhaps the biggest match of the season uh, thus far uh, on on NBC and uh, NBCSN so that's what I'm going to be doing in the, during the international break so it sounds like we're going to be doing opposite things which which should make it for a good podcast next week in terms of what what you uh, saw or what you enjoyed. Uh, versus what I uh, saw and enjoyed. For me personally, I mean, Norway against Serbia, uh, that one, with it being a Euro 2020 playoff match, the, the first leg, I mean, Norway, of course, with uh, Erling Haaland, but, but Serbia is always a d- difficult team to beat. The, the, the challenge, though, with these international matches, so actually across the board, Kartik with soccer, is I'm getting tired of no fans in the stadium. Now, in Germany, in the Bundesliga, in different regions, we're seeing some fans. And we saw, I think it was like last Friday, was uh, Union Berlin. Uh, or was it Mainz? No, actually, yeah, no, it was Union Berlin uh, playing at home in, 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 this, in their stadium, which is in a forest. And they had a, a large crowd there. And for me, I mean, no matter if it's internationals, if it's NWSL, if it's German League, you, you name it. I, I'm really starting to get a little bit tired of not seeing a lot of fans. And, and I understand why, but it's just not the same Kartik. What, what, what about you? Um, I haven't really noticed. I mean, in some cases I noticed, right? In a Bayern game, the Bayern-Hertha-Berlin uh, match, uh, I, I certainly noticed. The uh, the Liverpool-Villa match, I certainly noticed because I thought Villa's fans would have been, that would have been such a treat for them. Uh, some other matches I've noticed, Leeds, whenever they play at home. But I guess it hasn't bothered me as much. But it is undoubtedly impacted results. So uh, in order to get back to the kind of equilibrium that we're used to in, 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 in world football and European football, club football, we need to have fans in the stands because the, the results have become uh, quite random. I mean, I don't think if there are fans at the Allianz, uh, Hertha Berlin is playing that kind of match against Bayern, right? That they're taking up to the to, to ninety plus five for Bayern to win that on on on, on a penalty, right? I, mm-hmm. I think that that's probably um, a, a straightforward Bayern victory, and there are many examples of that you could point to. Uh, in fact, uh, the Bundesliga, there have been there's, the way teams are just playing since the restart have just played better when there are no. Uh, with the exception of like you mentioned Union Berlin, and we have some fans in Dortmund, we have some fans in Cologne. But um, yeah, I think that it's it's the thing that annoys me about it is results are becoming more random, uh, and maybe that's a good thing. But it's just not something I'm comfortable with. Uh, uh, that's why I want, want fans back in the stands. Yeah, for for me, it's um, especially international matches. You have some big matches coming up this next week. Uh, some of them are friendly. So, for example, England against Wales. I mean, which is a, re- a rare treat. It's very rare that those te- two teams play against each other these days. So they play Thursday at Wembley at in an empty stadium uh, for a friendly. I mean, otherwise that would match would be pretty probably pretty close to a sellout normally. Uh, you've got even North Macedonia against Kosovo. You got two teams, uh, neighboring countries, a lot of history. Uh, and something like that, even in a smaller stadium, maybe it's a 10,000 seat stadium, that would be electric. Um, that's, that's the part I'm missing. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying the matches and I'm still watching soccer from around the world, different leagues. Uh, you mean, you name it. 
but I'm missing that electric atmosphere. And and even with the the, the crowd noise pumped in, uh, even with um, the soccer being pretty decent, um, you mean it's it's not the same. Even from the commentating wise, you mean it's it is. It just seems that I think almost the commentators are missing that. You mean that that you mean that noise and, and that factor and. Um, and with the Premier League, it doesn't look like it's going to be anytime soon. We're originally, we, we were thinking October, it was going to be back. But now the Premier League has been talking to the government in in the UK. And the UK government right now is saying, OK, yeah, um, probably not until next year. We're looking at March or so, which just seems so far away. I don't know, Kartik. It, it's, um, I'm enjoying the games. It's just not the same. And and we'll get to that a little bit in the um, the news section because there's one piece of news that could be, that could have a result of that. I mean, it could be that um, fans might start not watching as many games because it's not as much fun as it used to be. Now, speaking of fun, Kartik, uh, the Premier League, the Premier League is is on fire. I mean in terms of this season. So so far for this season thus thus far um they're averaging 3.79 goals per game. Uh and it's on course to be a record. Uh, the previous record was 2.65 goals per game in the 1992-93 season. And I think that was when there were 22 teams in the Premier League. Yeah. I, yes. And and so it's on track. I mean, yes, okay. <laughs> Who could have believed the Aston Villa uh, Liverpool game? Who could have believed the Man City Leicester game? Who could have believed the Man United Spurs game? Those are just three examples. So there's been many, many more. But um, it's like the wild, wild west out there, Kartik. Um, what, what's your take on, on on the goal scoring? And you mean is is it just the defence, or is it, or is it more than that? Well, actually, two of those results were very believable because Spurs have outplayed Man United at various times in the last few seasons. And Leicester waxed Manchester City uh, not that long ago with Pep as the manager. I think Vardy had a hat trick and he had another hat trick in this match. And Leicester are better than Manchester City. So I'm not sure that that was a uh, a shock. Now, the Le- the Villa Villa beating uh, Liverpool to me is not a shock. I mean, I, I rate – I'll tell you how much I rate Liv- uh, Villa. I have these selection decisions on my fantasy team because my fantasy team is so littered with Villa players. Um, that's how much I rated their individual pieces. I think you and I have had this conversation offline that I just thought they had so many good players they wouldn't get relegated, and you uh, you, you felt that I, they I, might be... I predicted uh, they'd get relegated. I mean, yeah, more I so because of Dean to... Smith, the, the manager. Right. Well, that's true, think, yeah. I, I didn't think I'm, he had it. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure he's the right manager for that. They have so many good pieces on that team, which is why I, I, I kind of thought, well, they might be a surprise package this season. But... Um, the goals, one thing. I think that there are more with VAR. There are more fouls that are being checked, and we're getting an extraordinary number of penalty decisions. And then I think the other thing is that you've got more teams in the Premier League pressing high and playing a high line, which is creating a situation where matches are more open. And the third factor is the fixture congestion is creating this situation where teams are getting worn down easily. They're having to rotate more. And the big teams in particular, I think – look really tired so um it's not a surprise to me i know this isn't premier league but it's not a surprise to me Bayern went out and 
bought a bunch of players on the on the transfer deadline day. They're looking like a spent force, as great as they were just a month ago. Look like the best team we had seen in club football in a decade. Now they look spent because they've had to play so many matches in succession without a proper summer break. Uh, I'd say I'd make the same observation uh, about uh, Manchester City and about Liverpool. Uh, and uh, in terms of Spurs, uh, they uh, they I think Mourinho's buying policy with Daniel Levy's help has been to recognize this situation and so stack certain positions so that they have the options to rotate. And and this past week they had a game on Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, and again on Sunday. So Spurs played four matches in eight days. Is that correct? Is my math right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. 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 But they, because of the way Mourinho, and I'm not a big Mourinho fan, I think everybody knows this, but the way he approached the transfer window, they were able to 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 buy certain guys. So then now, the teams that they're playing, the Southamptons and Manchester Uniteds, are so open because they're worn down, right? And they played too many matches. Um, so I think it's it, it's it's that the um, and it's going to continue, right? Because the the decision by the EFL to keep the League Cup this season, I thought this would be a year to do away with it, and to try and get us back on schedule in it to where we got through uh, round four by the end of September or the beginning of October, first week of October, meant that uh, these teams were playing an extraordinary number of matches. And there have been an extraordinary number of of cup sets, if you will, mm-hmm. in, in that competition. And unfortunately, you know, the cup specialist, Newport County, uh, they almost got to the to this to the quarterfinals, uh, yeah. uh, lost in penalties. But I think that this is all weighed on the managers. And, and uh, I, I think teams are just broken down. So that's more entertaining for us. But at some point, players might break down and get injured, and it might spoil the fun of the Premier League when we get to the festive period, which is supposed to be the best time of the year in that league. And unfortunately, uh, all these star players are injured. It's it's almost at a point, though, Kantek, where we're squashing in so many games in such a short amount of time. Uh, just just if if just just because maybe who knows if we'll finish the season. I mean, I think we will. But this, I mean, there's been outbreaks. Liverpool's had examples. Uh, the French squad. I mean, you go down the list. There's, I mean, whether it's in the in the states or whether it's in Europe, uh, there have been incidents uh, incidents where people have caught coronavirus and had to go be quarantined. I guess that's another example too, in terms of having, I guess, Spurs having a lot of depth, having a very big squad. Which Mourinho was actually criticizing when, yeah. when he was talking about Deli Ali and, and, and like uh, how you I mean he's got so many players and it's just hard to his, his squad is too big. So so maybe that is yeah that is certainly a, a huge advantage here. Um, I, I agree with you in terms of yeah tons of matches for the, for the viewer for the for us for us watching it on streaming or on television. It's it's almost every couple of days. There's I mean match after match after match, and 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 again I'm enjoying it. Just missing that crowd component. But what about what about the analysis from this past weekend with the Premier League? And um, in the past, we've criticised NBC Sports for being inconsistent. Um, sometimes it's good, sometimes not so good. What did you see from this past weekend? What were some of the uh, the differences, if any? Yeah, so I, uh, I I had a friend who follows Leeds very closely and hasn't watched the Premier League for years because Leeds haven't been in the Premier League and uh, was kind of shocked by the uh, 
by how poor he thought Tim Howard was and how predictable and stale the questions Rebecca Lowe were asking was. He liked Robbie Earl, so that, that that's a plus. That's his opinion. I mean, that's not necessarily my opinion. I, I felt like uh, also they were um, they're just like very, very shallow in their analysis. So I got very unhappy, and I know I put it on Twitter and there was various reactions to it, about Rebecca Lowe's what I believe was a cheap shot at Paul Pogba when she said, uh, when Robbie Earl said something about Pogba needs to be at his best. This was pregame, and we know he had a terrible match. So, but but you could say that with hindsight, but pre-match. Uh, Robbie Earl says he needs to be at his best, he needs to be doing this today, and, and she makes a very snide remark uh, when has he ever been at his best? You know, just a, a cheap shot, which is a classic Sky Sports tactic and a classic narrative now developing in the English media. I can point to many games where Pogba has been at his best. I can point to the time, the, the previous meeting between those two teams, those two sides. Last year when Pogba got, got put on, uh, he's coming off an injury. It's right after the COVID break, right? Uh, in minute 60 or so, Spurs had dominated, but they had only taken a 1-0 lead. And then once Pogba came on, the game settled, and Manchester United controlled it. They got that late penalty, which Bruno Fernandez converted. But just the most recent history between these two clubs, that was the case. And I, I think of count, countless matches, especially the match where Manchester City were trying to clinch the Premier League title. I think everybody remembers that against United. Pogba bossed that game. He was better than any Man City player. Man City had 100 points that season. So I, I, it was just absolutely, I thought, uncalled for. And uh, and it just goes back to, I don't think Rebecca Lowe would have done that four years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's 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 part of them adopting these very sensational sky na- sky related narratives to uh, to what they do. Arlo White missed a couple calls in the United Spurs game. I'm not going to belabor that because I think generally he's very very good with that. He's 99 percent uh, right, but it was just I think a couple things happened quickly in that match, and it was all in the first half, by the way, first 20 minutes when it was frantic. And he he of course would correct himself quickly. Uh, the post match analysis after that match was almost completely about Manchester United and where did they go off, this, that. I mean, I can imagine being a Spurs supporter in the U.S., and there were a lot of Spurs supporters in the U.S. Uh, thinking, "What are you going to talk about uh, the fact that uh, that Mourinho made this decision to play RA and Sardarity and how, how that how that factored into it? How about the, the three-man midfield of, of Ndombele, Sissoko, and Hoiberg dominating and, and the way the balance was in that midfield? None. Of, they didn't talk about any of that stuff. Or they, if they did, they talked about it in passing. They were focused on United. So I was uh, I, I was pretty stunned by that. And then um, the Villa-Liverpool game, same thing. They, it was almost like they, they did go to the to the Ali Watkins interview with Sky. They did uh, uh, talk to Dean Smith. But other than that, it was all about Liverpool, right? The entire uh, pregame and post-match. And as I said, uh, Villa has a lot of good players. Now, they underperformed last year, and we know their net spend was the highest in the Premier League last season. Uh, people may have forgotten that. So that tells you the quality of player they bought, even though they almost got relegated. And then they've just added to that this season. And, and then getting Ross Barkley in on loan. There hasn't, there wasn't enough analysis about Villa uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, and, and it was just platitudes. And, and the other thing that bothers me is that, and it's not just NBC, it's a lot of people who cover the Premier League. Ollie Watkins signs from Brentford. Chris, you and I have watched the guy the right. last couple of years. Yep. We, we, I mean, I thought it was a can't miss signing. And I'm, I'm shocked. And obviously, as a relationship with Dean Smith, but I'm surprised another Premier League team didn't make that move as soon as Brentford lost in the playoff final to Fulham. 
when you watch NBC or you watch Sky, it's like they don't know who this guy is. <laughs> and they're not able to analyze his game properly. And they're not able to analyze the Leeds players who played so well in the championship. Like Calvin Phillips was such an important part of their team the last two years. And he's a Yorkshire boy. He's from the Leeds area. And they, they haven't analyzed his role in that team at all because they haven't seen him play, it seems like. So I'm frustrated. It's not just NBC. I think... Ever since Leicester won the title, I thought there would – and then Wolves comes into the league and finishes seventh the first year they're in. Sheffield United comes into the league, finishes in the top half the first year they're up. Leeds is going to finish in the top half this year. I thought there would be more um, understanding of, of who plays in the championship, how good these guys potentially are uh, when clubs come up or players are bought out of the championship. But it, it seems like that's missing from the analysis. And, Chris, missing that in the analysis misses – means with sides like Villa, you, uh, you miss a big piece of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult to properly analyze them without knowing that stuff. I think I think one of the things, Kartik, is that um, this has to be a conscious effort on NBC's part because, I mean, you, you watch a broadcast, especially on a, on a Sunday, and, and maybe Sunday's a little bit more laid back than, say, a Saturday in terms of um, what they're talking about. It's very much a the whole my Premier League morning. It's it's more of an experience. So, I mean, I don't know if you caught this one, but there was, uh, and they spent probably a couple of minutes on it at least, uh, talking to Arlo White and, and Lee Dixon, not about tactics, but but about uh, candy, about ca yeah. caterpillars. <laughs> which they were talking about that for a couple of minutes about like you mean you're just making fun of it, having a little bit of a laugh, having a joke, which which is okay. But but then the I mean I mean you watch on the Sunday morning and they're asking for people to send pictures in and there's pictures of breakfast it's pictures of I don't know baked beans on toast or grits and eggs and uh, it's pictures of your, of your dog and it's so it's really all about the experience it's really all about trying to make a connection with the audience and it's a feel good sitting down soccer moms maybe soccer dads kind of just uh one big family i i think to be honest with you Kartik, i think a lot of this is tainted by men in blazers is is kind of that kind of like ha 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 soccer yeah. isn't, isn't as fun i mean isn't it goofy isn't it stupid or whatever whatever it is that 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 seems to be i mean that that's what they're going after i mean and and we've talked about this too and we've argued about this too that the numbers, for the most part, have plateaued. I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, no doubt about it. I mean, they have reached highs. So they've, had, I think, last season they had what the the highest rated uh, Premier League match of all time on US television it was it was one game, which was like what 1.5 or 1.6 million, big number. They have had higher points, but for the most part, I think, uh, I think, I think, I think. Yeah, there's no way that they're go they're going to be what we want them to be, which is more tactically aware, which is more uh, more hardcore. I think I, th I think that that time is over, and and especially with Kyle leaving and Tim coming in, and and Tim's Tim's good. He's just very different. He's he's no Kyle Martino. He's a completely different style, and I, and I think Tim it, it's it's a difficult position to be in that position where you have to really have knowledge of of all 20 teams and the players and the championship and and other leagues i mean as a professional in a studio 
you mean that person needs to know that stuff. I mean, you and I and a lot of the listeners probably have just as much knowledge uh, as some of the talent out there. Um, sometimes even more so. We, we might watch more matches than the talent does. But I, I think that's where we're at, Kartik. And, it, and it's one of those things that maybe in future podcasts we won't spend as much time on NBC Sports just because I don't think it's going to change. For me personally, it makes me think moving forward, maybe just I'm just going to spend more time watching the matches and maybe not not hoping for some great analysis pre-match, half-time or post-match because I don't think I'm going to get it. Yeah, so... I, I, I agree with all of that. I hadn't thought about the men in blazers angle. I think that that's absolutely right. Uh, the The thing I would point out is that Robbie Musto is really well-versed in what happens in other leagues, right? He watches, he's aware of continental football, not having him on the transfer deadline show when there are all these players moving from the continent into England. I, I, I maybe there was another explanation that I missed as to why he wasn't there, uh, but that, uh, that stunned me because in the past, Obviously, Kyle worked for them. Kyle Martino worked for them in the past. They had Martino, Earl, and Musto on these transfer deadline specials. Uh, that hell having been said, I think Tim Howard really was good on Monday. And in, in, in a deeper dive situation where he's able to, Rebecca says, well, what do you think about Fulham? He's able to go through piece by piece the team and kind of analyze it. He doesn't, maybe he's not good doing it pre and post match, or he's not given the opportunity. It's more likely the latter uh, because I, I, I turned a new leaf on him watching on Monday saying, yeah, he's making some really good points about some of the teams that I, I feel like they don't cover very well. The Villas, the Sheffield Uniteds, uh, the West Broms. He, he, he has a, a deeper knowledge. And West Brom, obviously, Tim Howard has a very close relationship with Slavin Village, so uh, a personal relationship. So he, he has more insight into that club than uh, uh, than maybe most analysts would. But that that's still the point being uh, – I saw his utility on the transfer deadline show, and I'm not seeing his utility when they actually broadcast matches. So that's that's mm. another concern. And uh, let me oh, let me just ahead. chime in real fast. I mean, you look at uh, the work that he did um, for TNT and BR Football on the Champions League, and the analysis he gave there versus what he's doing for NBC on a normal weekend when it, when it is match days. It, it's two extremes, Kartik. Like the one extreme is the the TNT BR Football where it's laughing, joking, laid back. It's maybe you talking about basketball and about Neymar, then talking about like, hey, you mean, you mean it, it's very emotional, emotion-driven. And then on, on the NBC side, it's very, it tries to be very analytical or kind of a little bit deeper, thinking about it, talking about it. So so that that, that part might, that, that might be part of it too, where it's just a, a transition where it's a different style and it's going to take some time to get him into that mix where he's going to feel, feel more comfortable. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a completely different. So, so for him, it's, it's, it's definitely an adjustment. Yeah. And, and so I thought he was quite good on Monday still in spite of how good Howard was and he was good. I got more out of the one hour on, uh, on, ESPN, the, the special K. Murray hosted uh, with uh, with Alexis Nunez hosting a little mini studio in in London with, with the likes of Stuart Robson on there. Uh, they 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 were completing. They were they were analyzing done deals and deals that were about to get over the line, like Thomas Partey. Uh, they were not 
speculating mindlessly and endlessly like Sky Sports. I mean, even the few times uh, Rebecca Lowe threw <laughs> to Sky Sports, I think the NBC producers, right, Pierre Moussa and a company were probably, they probably yanked it back really quickly. They did yank it back really quickly. I think it was because they threw it to Sky Sports and they were doing and saying absolutely nothing. It was nonsense. <laughs> and Mary Redknapp giving this horrible analysis. So, yeah. um, you know, just to complete what I watched this week, ESPN FC, uh, with the addition now of Danny Higginbotham and Steve Terundolo, in addition to their other established analysts that they have, the Gab Marcottis and the Ju- Julian Lorenzes and, and obviously uh, Craig Burley, uh, Stuart Robson, etc. Uh, and, and Steve Nichols has been fantastic. Steve, Steve Nichols and Shaka Hislop have been fantastic of late, as, as they normally are. And, and then with Dan Thomas hosting the days he's not there, it's, it's either Kay Murray or Seb Salazar. They're giving they, – they are essentially filling a bunch of voids in my football viewing. And I know I say this every year and I've said this ever since we switched to this format of the show that I, I can't live without ESPN FC. But I really can't now. And they just keep uh, – they keep uh, gearing up to the point where I think every really high-level English language analyst that's available is either on CBS's Champions League coverage or on ESPN FC on television now, which is pretty remarkable because mm-hmm. they just keep adding people. Uh, Higginbotham being on the show recently has been a, 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 a another welcome addition. I didn't think they could raise the bar even higher, and they did. And, and by the way, he's as good as a studio guy as he is as a co-commentator, yeah. and, and he's shown that on, on this program. So uh, I'm loving it. Steve Trundolo is actually very good. Uh, I wasn't sure if he was – uh, uh, media trained uh, when obviously ESPN brought him in uh, to, to aid with the Bundesliga coverage, but he, he has turned out to be very good as well. Yeah, yeah, and Steve Charondolo, definitely a uh, a coach for the future. I, I can see him um, probably getting involved more in the coaching side, but he is very good at the uh, at, at reading a game and, and communicating. You mean kind of the, his analysis? Um, just a couple of things. I, some other things I watched uh, this past week: Kartik uh, Lazio against Inter. Uh, which was a, a good game. It was uh, competitive. Uh, Steve Banyard and Tony Dorigo on the call for this one. But uh, you mentioned at the, at the top of this program talking about VAR and, and how VAR's causing more goals to be scored. Uh, it's also causing more red cards for, for just yeah. s- silly stuff. I mean, just kind of, I mean, a player gets up or gets fouled and then kind of slaps a player uh, in the face, like just nonchalantly, n- nothing violent. You mean the ghost of our that player is sent off? Uh, you mean ten minutes later something else happens? A, a player comes out and raises his hand. That player gets sent off. Then we watch Martial in, in the Man United Spurs game. You mean he gets sent off just for the the most just um, I wouldn't say innocent, but for just just hardly anything. It, sh- it shouldn't be a red card. It is a red card. That's the rules. So the referee is making the right decision. And VAR is helping with that. Uh, but for the players, the footballers, I mean, they need to know, you mean, to resist that, even if even the tempers are flaring. You mean, don't do stuff like that because, you mean, chances are these days VAR is going to catch it, even if the referee misses it. And uh, that that's the only downside I see to, to, to Serie A and to that game, Lazio Inter especially, is it, it a lot of that stuff, a lot of that stuff happening. And of course, when you got Vidal, uh, playing um, and uh, other characters, um, 
it, it is a very physical league and there's a lot of uh, fouling and, and unfortunately it actually takes away from the football in my opinion. And then, um, let me see, the other thing I want to mention too, just real fast before we go to the TV streaming news segment, is I finished uh, Take Us Home, Leeds United, Season 2, uh, the second episode, which is on uh, Amazon Prime Video. And uh, for anyone who hasn't watched it yet, I highly recommend it. It's really hard to not be impressed by this team, the players and the coach. Um, Leeds... As you can see, I mean, we know it, spoiler here, but we know that Leeds gets promoted to the Premier League. But uh, just going behind the scenes, seeing that, um, just got a lot of time and respect for the Leeds players. There's not a team full of superstars. It's mostly very uh, hardworking footballers, uh, a lot of them journeymen, and uh, also the passionate fan base. And uh, it's really, really good documentary. I, I preferred this one to the, the Spurs one, the All or Nothing uh, that, that's just me personally, but um, I would highly, highly recommend that. That's on Amazon Prime. Kartik, what about, what about you? Anything else before we move on? Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed watching, and I, I want to thank uh, uh, ESPN again for bringing us an Atalanta game on television, uh, Atalanta match on, on Sunday morning. Uh, I mean, I slept through most of it, but uh, and the match was pretty much <laughs> over when I woke up. But no, no, but oh, okay. I didn't start it. Oh, okay. So, oh, I okay. okay. so I went back and, and watched watched it again, and, and uh, Atalanta is, is selling players on, as we've seen in this transfer window, a couple guys moving to the Premier League. And they are continuing to get better. So I think they're going to finish in the top four again this season for the third straight year. They are uh, they have scored 11 ma- goals in three matches thus far this season in Serie A in league competition. And they are so good to watch. And, and so it, it, it's one of these things, uh, Chris, whenever I see that ESPN is showing an Atalanta game, it can be at 6.15 in the morning, as it was this time. Uh, I will DVR it, and I will make sure uh, – I, I watched the thing in its entirety. They they are unbelievable entertainment. I mean, what a what a team. We know this can't last forever. We know that they're doing it largely. Speak about journeyman player players. Atalanta is doing this largely with older journeyman players. Uh, but, but not that dissimilar actually from Bielsa and Leeds uh, in some ways. Although some of Leeds guys are, are younger journeymen, but uh, they they've just been a pleasure to watch. And then uh, the 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 other uh, thing I would uh, I would talk about is that even in my political circles, and I, and I think as I mentioned last week on the podcast, I'm very active in uh, in, in the campaign this year and, and in fact was just, have just come back from the supervisor of elections office. There is increasing conversation among sports fans, not necessarily hardcore soccer fans, about Borussia Dortmund and wanting to watch that team because I think ESPN has promoted this idea in mainstream channels that this is where all the young great players go to develop. And so I'm fielding questions from political people, political person today. We're talking about the heat and what it, Miami heat and what had happened yesterday and Miami hurricanes. And I'm, I'm just making conversation. He's like, Oh yeah, you're a soccer guy. What do you think about, what do you think about Bellingham and Gio Reyna and, and, and Holland and, and Borussia Dortmund? And it's because ESPN is pumping this out every week. So uh, I, this is, I don't know if Dortmund's in a position where they're going to be able to really take advantage of it in the U.S. market, but ESPN is doing a lot of the marketing for them that Fox never did when they had 
Pulisic and Jaden Sancho and Dembele. Well, they still have Sancho, right? Mm-hmm. But when they first had got Sancho and Dembele, and uh, even you know going further back when they developed Mario Goetze and sold them out at twenty or twenty-one, and Robert Lewandowski and all these young players, uh, it, it's pretty remarkable that that's becoming a mainstream thing. And I think uh, Chris, that might be true in the UK also, right? I think a lot of people are talking about Borussia Dortmund there as well, if I'm not mistaken. And and, and uh, so. Dortmund might be in a position in the U.S. Uh, specifically because of ESPN's promotion of them and because they have Reina. And, mm-hmm. and that's to hook into the story. They then right. talk about Holland and Bellingham and all these other guys that um, they're becoming very mainstream, uh, surprisingly enough. It's it's a fun team to watch. I mean, you, you look at world football in as a whole and you kind of think of, okay, who's your top three uh, most fun teams to watch? And I would put Dortmund in there probably number one and number two uh, Atalanta and then last season there would have been Liverpool but this season that number three I'm not so sure yet you mean as far as like which which team that is that's I mean Spurs you mean in many ways is well but inconsistent like sometimes they're fun other times it's just like dire um, but but yeah, so Dortmund for sure, and and I think that's the the focus that ESPN has, and and the the ability that they have. I mean, doing a story on Sports Center on a, on a Sunday morning about Giorena, that's going to get a more reach, get into more homes, and get into more of the the mainstream discussion, so people know who he is, know who the team is, and learn more about that. It, it takes time, but. Uh, that strategy, uh, even though all the games are on streaming, right? Uh, that stra- strategy is really, really well done. But these are young millennial Democratic Party politicos, so they're kind of into the streaming thing anyway. They all have ESPN Plus, so for them, it, watching Dortmund isn't isn't labor intensive. For mm-hmm. you and I, it may be well, especially for me. I mean, you're, you've you've kind of adjusted the streaming thing better than me. For me, it's like it's labor intensive. I mean, I've watched every Dortmund match, but it's like at at nine thirty my time, I'm, I'm going on to ESPN Plus. I'm I'm pulling the match and, and and watching it at the same time as I'm flipping back with a Premier League match or another Bundesliga match but for for tech savvy youngsters they're they're on it all right speaking of tech savvy uh youngsters for the tv news news uh section Kartik, I'm, I'm gonna read the uh the second piece of news and, and i'll give you a chance to look at the first piece of news to give everyone a recap on that on that because i think it's pretty interesting but so leading off on the tv streaming news and that is uh season two of ted lasso is in the writing stage. So that's great news for fans of this show, the the TV series, which has been a big hit on Apple TV+. Plus. It's been a feel-good hit, probably the feel-good hit of the late summer for Apple TV+. Plus. I don't think anyone expected uh, how well-received the show has been. Uh, I, I didn't watch the whole series, but so when I watched it, what, the first three or four episodes... It, is, it was warming up to me as it went along. And I think by the end of it, the, 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 I didn't finish it all. I, I should finish it all. But by the end of it, I saw like episode three, I think it was. I was starting to warm up to the character of Ted Lasso, where you started to feel more for the person, learn more about him and uh, have a better understanding that he wasn't just a, you mean, just a, a dumb guy college football coach just uh, didn't know anything about soccer there was a lot more to him than, than meets the eye and in the series uh you watched it but but the series goes more in, in depth there so season two uh no release date yet but uh it's currently in the writing writing stage and it looks very good that uh very likely that uh, that's going to happen 
Now, Kartik, uh, moving on to your piece of news. Yeah, so we have seen uh, Premier League viewership down uh, on Sky Sports uh, as blanket coverage. This this idea of having a game uh, at at uh, uh, as kickoff at noon, uh, British Standard Time two, uh, then four thirty, then in prime time uh, seven thirty or eight. Uh, it, 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 there's been an oversaturation. The Daily Mail reports uh, of uh, uh, of matches, which has led to. I think some very natural burnout. I've experienced it myself, right? And I, I'll be honest with you, okay? If Liverpool, the other day on Sunday, if Liverpool is playing someone other than Aston Villa, I'm probably getting on with my day. I've actually, as I think I've said, I don't know, did I say it on air or off air about my fantasy team? And and, and that since Bournemouth's out of the league now, I've just gone big into Villa because I, I think they have so many great individual pieces that I, I sat and watched that game for that reason. But I was burnt out by that time, mm-hmm. by that point. And it was the same thing the previous day with uh, – the new it was Newcastle, right? That played late. I mean, it, yeah, I can Newcastle against Burnley. Yeah, yeah, I can completely relate to it. That the burnout uh, is happening. So you're seeing <laughs> some some TV numbers come down. Now, the other thing to understand with this, Chris, which I, I think again, and I know you and I keep emphasizing this for American listeners, but they don't necessarily remember this or know this, is that they're not accustomed to having this many matches on television in the United Kingdom. They're accustomed to not having no matches in the 3 p.m. British Standard Time uh, time slot and having limited matches here and there bracketing that. So this has been, because of no crowds in the stadium, there there has been an oversaturation of football on uh, UK television, uh, of Premier League football specifically. So that has led to some burnout. I think that's pretty natural. That's why I, I don't know how uh, these college football fans in the United States do it. They get up. I, I mean, I guess it's a short season, right? It's not like uh, our sport, which is year round, basically, with the exception of the summer. But they get up at at, at nine o'clock and watch college game, and they're they're up until the last game on the West Coast at two a.m. Eastern time. Uh, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm not surprised by this. Honestly, I, I would have expected it eventually, yeah. and I don't think this was supposed to go on this long is the key thing i don't think sky and bt and amazon and, and the bbc who have shown some matches free to air right mm-hmm. uh in in the midst of this expected in mid-october we would still be going with this with no end in sight right and uh, the report says that the average viewership is down and this is arguably no cause for concern it goes on to say that the 12 matches initially scheduled for broadcast by sky sports were up by a modest eight percent when compared to last season this would indicate that the figures are being dragged down by matches with lower interest which typically would not have been shown live so yeah. like a, a newcastle against a burnley as as just one example uh this been quite a few games where it's been a late game usually the late game on the Saturday is, is of lesser interest this season it's 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 of interest but it's featuring some of the smaller clubs um, not the top six but I had a laugh before Kartik when you mentioned that just because it's one of those things that um, we've been used to this since like what 2006 where I I would count the number of hours I spend watching television. Sometimes it'd be like a 10-hour day <clears throat> or like a 9-hour day or 12-hour day of watching just non-stop soccer. And I've been doing this now for like, what, uh, 14 years at least, uh, pretty much every weekend um, and, and, of course, weekdays now. But for for UK viewers, this is quite different. And I, and I, think, I think the other part of it, though, too, is that 
it's more likely that a U.S. soccer fan is going to watch consecutive games throughout a weekend. So it could be, I don't know, it could be um, whichever teams are playing. I mean, the, the early kickoff, the mid, midday kickoff, and later in, uh, in that afternoon kickoff. Now, a U.K. fan, I would say, would be more likely to watch his or her team. So if it's Liverpool against Aston Villa, that person may have very little interest or might have it on in the background, but probably is not going to watch uh, Man United against Spurs. He or she might be out going shopping or doing whatever and then coming back and then watching Liverpool against Aston Villa. So that's the other part of it too, is that it's a different type of audience. Uh, at the same time though, Kartik, this is something we've been hearing from UK readers, listeners and viewers uh, since you know, 2005, since uh, World Soccer Talk launched, is like, oh my gosh, I wish I, I could have a, as much access to all these games as you you do in America. They have the access now, Kartik, but the numbers are down. So uh, again, I think the crowd factor is something that is hard to measure uh, as far as kind of lesser of an interest in some games. But I, I just have to laugh it, partly because they've finally gotten what they wanted and they're not watching in large numbers. And, and I mean, there's a whole host of different reasons for that. You mentioned a few, I mentioned a few, but I, I just find that a little bit, um, a little bit, a little bit funny. Yeah. One, one other thing though, uh, the premier league had been actively looking at that, that eight o'clock, uh, British, Stan- uh, sorry, not eight, eight. Yeah. It would be eight o'clock, yeah. eight o'clock British standard time video of uh, window on Saturdays, on Saturdays yep. for, for matches and thinking that that would be an essential part of maybe the next television contract. And, and based on this, I don't know if it changes your thinking on it, but it can't help. It, it doesn't further it for sure. That maybe uh, that, that that's a bit much. And even for international audiences, maybe that time slot doesn't align well. So the, uh, I, I'm interested to see what happens to that when the six packages uh, that will be bid on uh, very soon domestically. Although, again, I don't know if COVID and all of this changes the uh, the timeline for for, 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 for rights deals. But uh, we assume those six packages, the tender will go out uh, very soon. Uh, we're in year two of this three-year cycle, which involves a BT Sky and Amazon Prime. So uh, it technically should go out toward the end of the season if that affects it. Yeah, the other thing too, this is brand new for the Premier League. So this is the first time ever that you've had staggered kickoffs where you normally would have like, what, five or six games at 10 o'clock to noon Eastern time. Now you're having games that are spread across the entire weekend. La Liga has been doing this for a few years. You mean they've had, for the most part, sometimes you have games that double up, but for the most part, games kick off on, on a Friday evening and go all the way through till Monday evening, and it's staggered for the, for the most part. The Bundesliga tried it with Mondays, and there are some Monday games this season, but not as many as, as previous seasons. Uh, Serie A is very much, I mean, most of the games are on Sundays. There's some games on Saturdays, but there's a whole bunch of games happening at the same time. So, so that that's the other new component of this too. Is that for the Premier League, this is a good test to say, okay, how much of a of an appeal um, is there for for some of the other teams? Some of the say, I don't know, a Brighton against Everton at a uh, ten a.m. Eastern time on a Saturday. How is that going to do when there's no other games happening? Will people gravitate to that game and watch it in the UK? Um, and again, looking at this report and looking at the numbers, um, there's not a huge boost. 
So, um, and again, too, I mean, you're looking at the big six, you're looking at uh, the Man United, Arsenal's, Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, Spurs, um, Man City to a certain extent, but you're looking at large fan bases. You're looking at same thing in in the States. You mean, you take those clubs and uh, that makes up most of the Premier League viewers. And of, of course, there's tons of viewers that watch and, and follow Newcastle and, and Burnley and Everton and, and other clubs, but the majority of it is the big six. And, and in, in previous years, that was really kind of what drove the TV viewership was those big games. All right, Kartik, TV ratings. Um, I'm working on a column this week, which will have all of the numbers at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, just want to mention one of them, and, that, and that's Leeds United against Man City uh, on NBC. And we're still awaiting the number from Telemundo. But for NBC, this one got 811,000 viewers. And uh, actually, was it on Telemundo or was it in, uh, Universo? It might have been Universo. But we'll, we'll, we'll get the final number on that one and then report that at worldsoccertalk.com. Moving on to listener mailbag. Uh, first up is F- FTC United. With the Champions League on uh, CBS Sports originally not supposed to have taken over until the 2021-22 season, will will we be getting another year of most games on All Access or will we get more matches on TV? CBS Sports Network maybe or the, or the uh, local CBS station? So th- the answer to this question would be that... Uh, Every single game is on CBS All Access, no matter what. So both Champions League and the Europa League. Um, and FTC United is correct in saying that um, originally uh, CBS Sports was start, supposed to start their coverage next season. This would have been Turner Sports' last season until they they basically gave up on the rights. Um, so for this season, I asked CBS Sports a few months ago, OK, what about games on television? And they said that they've gone ahead and they've pretty much the entire season. They've already um, they made commitments. They've got golf. They've got a whole bunch of other sports. Uh, you know, f- college football. Uh, you name it. Tons of sports. And they've committed uh, to actually pr- showing those programs on CBS, uh, the big the big CBS, the CBS uh, over the air. So it would be not many games of the Champions League on those CBS stations this season. Now, next season is a different story. Next season, uh, if CBS wanted to, they could go ahead and put more more of the games on the over-the-air local CBS station. Uh, and again, so this season we'll get some CBS Sports Network games, maybe a couple of CBS uh, over-the-air, but um, next season we'll see uh, a difference there. Mike says, uh, can we talk about CBS's uh, Champions League studio coverage? Jamie Carragher is, well, I've come to understand the word daft. Uh, Him and uh, Mika Richards completely disrespecting any team that isn't Premier League and any competition involving a Premier League club. The UEFA um, post-game was disrespectful. So uh, the Super Cup, I guess. Yeah, uh, I, I did watch the Super Cup uh, game and, and I watched the analysis, but I didn't watch it as closely as I would with the Champions League just because I'm not into the Super Cup as much. I mean, I I, I don't value it as a massive trophy. You mean, yes, it's uh, it's kind of contrived. You mean, I mean, I enjoyed watching the match itself, but um, I didn't pay a lot of attention to the coverage as I normally do. What about you, Kartik? Did you... Did you uh, hone in on that yeah and i think the um 
the issue with Carragher is he doesn't know much about the teams outside of England or Spain. I, I would say he does. He does seem to have some grasp of La Liga, but he doesn't know the teams in Italy, uh, France, or uh, or Germany or other continental sides. I'm assuming too. Once we uh, get to the group stage this season, so I think he's relied heavily on the reputation and history of the clubs and doesn't really have the kind of grounding in the players that uh, are playing for those teams unless they played in the Premier League or they played for one of the big teams in Spain. So I actually kind of agree with that, and, and I noticed that in the uh, in the analysis of Sevilla, that it, it, it's all kind of boiled down to guys that have played at other clubs in the past, uh, even if it's other clubs in Spain, right? You're perceived big three, big, three bigger clubs in Spain, and uh, a lot of analysis of Jesus Navas because he played at Manchester City, right? Mm-hmm. So that's um, that, that I've noticed, and then with Bayern, I think they got more comfortable as the tournament went on, but I, I do think that there were some some clear blind spots in terms of Bayern when they started, and, and some very clear blind spots with PSG and Leon uh, when they when they started. So that uh, that I agree with. I, I do think this is generally a problem in English language. I mean, I call it out all the time. I mean, I on Twitter the other day, I hammered Sky for having people who didn't know anything about any Continental League on their transfer deadline coverage. And basically, these guys could all be random players, the guys coming from Serie A or the Bundesliga. They don't know anything about them. And they don't make an effort to know anything about them. And I yeah. would also add the championship to that analysis. So I don't think Carragher and Richards are any worse than anyone else. It's just the people who are kind of more cosmopolitan in their outlooks and are British tend to all be on that ESPN FC show. I'm not exaggerating. I mean, they get the guys who really know their stuff like the Stuart Robsons yeah. uh, that well, uh, can do that. Well, it's funny too, though, too, because if you watch BT Sport, um, you'll see more of the, the Owen Hargreaves or in the past, Rafa Honigstein or um, Andy Brassell or or others who were definitely extremely cosmopolitan. Well, Hargreaves would be very good. I think, yeah, where they actually. can talk about experience playing in those leagues but also uh experience knowing those players inside and out um and and that, and that's the difference right bt sport to me was um is more of a probably something that we would like you I mean you and i would like yeah. and a lot of listeners would, would would appeal to more of that and then the sky sports has become very much like the nbc sports where it is more mainstream laughing joking and having fun but not your hardcore analysis so so yeah, there's there's a lot in common. <laughs> Owen Hargreaves is a great suggestion, though, for CBS. Maybe uh, they'll think about that one because he has yeah. an expertise on the Bundesliga. Very few former players in the English language that are now in punditry have. Uh, he would be he would be very good. And if you remember too, I think wasn't Owen Hargreaves one of the ones they tried out on Turner CBS? Um, yes, you're Turner, right. You're Turner right. BR football. Yeah. And then they really kind of un- underutilized him, and then they kind of came in with their. Uh, I guess their agent was able to bring in you know, Tim Howard, Moadu, and uh, was it Carlos Bocanegra? Uh, he has a different agent, so it would be uh, it would be Holden, Holden and Nash, and and, right. and Howard and, so and uh, Adu. Yeah, yeah. Bill says I am listening to the new podcast and wanted to ask why. So you think Peacock doesn't have the studio show to replay? I worked during the day, so couldn't see any of Monday's studio shows, which is silly. At least Peacock is moving in the right direction. So yeah, so so if you do want to watch um, post match, I mean, I, I guess Goal Zone is there. I believe maybe on, on the replays. It, it 
it's not it's not it's not easy to find it i mean no. No, normally like so for me for example if i dvr um on fubo and dvr say liverpool against aston villa and it's on nbcsn it will tape it for i mean post-match too so i'll get the the 30 minutes to an hour post-match and i'll be able to watch that um with peacock it seems to be pretty much the game and once the game's done that's it so so you miss out on seeing that studio analysis you're not you're not missing much right at the second Kartik. Oh, although you did miss um the, the whole Sky Sports with uh, Roy Keane and Jurgen Klopp and, and uh that incident a couple of weeks ago. But um but yeah, Bill for sure. Yeah, I mean there needs to be a better way to go ahead and, and have those studio shows when they're on Peacock available to Peacock subscribers. I I agree with that. Ian O'Neill says, I was wondering what you'd think about Liga MX who are looking for stable, rich owners expanding by absorbing ambitious USL clubs in the border states. If MLS won't expand in large cities like San Diego or San Antonio, this would seem like a a good idea. Uh, But it it may also be a dangerous one. How would Liga MX then avoid the temptation of adding a club in LA? This seems like deja vu, Kartik. Right. Yeah, obviously, obviously, there's there was that controversy uh, many moons ago. I think before many, many of our listeners were following soccer, some of them may not have even been born. Where where Liga Mekis at that time the uh, the the league uh, League One and the uh, Liga One and the FMF uh, tried to uh, tried to put a team in Los Angeles. There was interest in doing that, and uh, FIFA has made it clear that they cannot uh, cross the border with Major League Soccer in place. Right as a established first division in the United States. Now, hypothetically, if there were no sanctioned first division in the United States, they could do it. Hence, why Montreal, Toronto, and uh, and Vancouver, who were actually in second division, well, Montreal, uh, Montreal and Vancouver were in a sanctioned second division league in the United States, were able to then be in a first division league in the United States. There may come a time, and there's a lot of whispers about this, where. Uh, if the Can PL continues to evolve, right now it's at kind of a Division Two level. If can- the can- Canadian Premier-, Premier League ever became a First Division league, either those clubs in- that are in MLS would be grandfathered in, or they would be uh, booted out, or-, or they'd be grandfathered in with the caveat, like the Welsh clubs in the English system, that they cannot qualify for continental competitions via Wales or via Canada in this case. So I, I don't know if our listeners realize this. I know you're well aware of this Chris obviously but Wales does have its own qualifier for European for, for the UEFA or for, for Europa League every yeah. year and uh, Swansea Newport uh, uh, Wrexham and Cardiff are ineligible so it would be the same sort of thing here if this if it ever came to this and also we've seen it uh, just now Ottawa kicked out of uh, USL which was a US sanctioned league because CONCACAF deemed that uh, uh, Ottawa uh, had a comparable league in their own country playing which was uh, the Can- Canadian Premier League, and they should not remain in a U.S. league, a U.S.-based league. So, uh, it, 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 in short, it can't happen. Yeah, and going back to Ian's question, yeah, it, it's not going to happen anytime in the future. Uh, also, because you I mean once you allow that to happen, then you've got La Liga saying like, "Hey, if if uh, Liga MX can go ahead and uh, move into the states and and uh, have clubs playing in a Mexican league." then, I mean, La Liga can move in and, and have games being played here. What's the difference? The, the, the reason I mentioned Deja Vu, I thought you were going to go down the path of uh, Chivas USA. 
of being a, a club owned by um, Liga MX uh, owners of a club, uh, going into Major League Soccer and starting up a Major League Soccer team in Los Angeles area, uh, Chief SUSA, which only lasted a few years, but Bob Bradley was coach. That seems like yeah. so long ago. <laughs> yeah, and Frecky coached them. I mean, they they had Jesse Marsh played for them. Yeah, maybe the uh, not not maybe definitely the best American coach out there now. Yeah, uh, other than Bradley himself, right? Those are the two best American coaches, Bradley and, and Marsh. Chris Guardino says, I have a question for Chris or Kartik. Actually, this is probably more of a Kartik question about MLS TV rights heading into the playoffs as being a Sounders supporter. My question to you, Kartik, is with both the Big Ten and Pac-12 of college football starting up in a few weeks, do you think MLS will move playoff games to midweek so that they can get games on ESPN and FS1? The reason why I ask is because I have a older relative who is a big Sounders supporter, but she does not have cable and relies on Amazon Prime Video on her tablet to watch Sounders matches produced locally. Amazon has told her that unless the match is being shown on local TV in the Seattle area, Amazon cannot stream matches that are on national TV. I'm thinking about adding her to my Fubo profile to offset this problem so she can watch the playoff matches that way and would like to know if that is a good idea. Any advice would be helpful. So, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to, just going to chime in too. I mean, the other option too, if, if the games are on, well, no, I was going to say ESPN or FS1. I was going to say uh, an HD an- uh, antenna or indoor antenna, but that's not going to work. So, yeah, the Fubo profile um, might be a better option is actually having an account for her or a profile for her so she could watch matches. But going back to uh, the Big Ten and Pac 12, do you think uh, the game's. Might be moved to mid- midweek contact? Yes, I think absolutely, because there's going to be uh, a, a condensed number of games at that point. And part of the reason MLS had moved their playoffs up uh, had been to avoid those conflicts. And, and, and so I think uh, you're going to have maybe Thursday games, Wednesday, a lot of Wednesday, Thursday games, and maybe uh, they're uh, bumped to have no. They're going to have to do that because the the uh, the other option would be to bump them to ESPN News or FS2, which I think in this day and age is unacceptable, right? Yeah, yeah, especially under this current deal they've got. So uh, moving on, next is Eric, and Eric says, "Chris, you talk about Rebecca Lowe asking the same question over and over. How many times have I heard enjoy your football and said without much enthusiasm last week, Kartik, but great show." So Eric, I must have been in a cranky mood last week. <laughs> it, it was a bit of a downer at the end there, Kartik, last week. It was kind of like, ugh. <laughs> but um, going back to Eric's point, um, th- yeah, enjoy your football is is a tagline. It's a mantra. It's not uh, it's not a question that we ask uh, every episode. Um, and, and that was the thing about Rebecca Lowe for the last six or seven years, asking a lot of the similar questions and getting a lot of similar responses out of the two Robbies especially. All right, Kartik, we're going to have to do a good uh, enjoy your football uh, this week. One more question, and this is from Dave. Dave says, on the recent podcast, you were talking about delays of broadcasts on streaming services. I've I've noticed something even crazier. I was watching a game on ESPN Plus on my Apple TV, and at one point, I got up to get something from the kitchen, not wanting to miss a single second of the match and wanting to take advantage of all the money I'm spending on technology. I put the game on my phone as I went to the kitchen. Lo and behold, the game was about a full minute or two ahead of where I was on my Apple TV. 
Thanks for taking the time to read my email. Keep up the good work. I've I've noticed this, Kartik. Sometimes where yeah. it's 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 you mean sometimes I'll watch it through my Roku stick and I'll be watching a game and then I'm like, okay, ah, I gotta take a picture of, of something. So I'll I'll go ahead and log in on my laptop and the laptop's like two minutes ahead of uh the game on that's on the same game that's on Roku. I I, th- I think part of it's technology where you mean with the Roku app and whichever streaming service you're using, ESPN Plus as one example um the how quickly that can actually uh go ahead and 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 stream that game um versus the laptop which is going through a different connection you might be able to actually uh, have a faster speed to process that information to, to actually display that but what about you Kartik? has this happened to you a bunch of times Yes, it has. Actually, that specific thing has happened where I, I think I put it on my laptop, uh, but I, he said the phone, but I've been on Apple TV watching something on ESPN+. Plus. I fired up my laptop because I'm moving somewhere else in the house, but I keep the thing streaming on Apple TV and I'm a minute ahead suddenly on the laptop. And so it, it has happened. In fact, I want to say it happened with a Bundesliga game. Maybe not this past week, but the previous week where I was watching it on Apple TV, ESPN Plus app on Apple TV, and then I did it on the computer, went you know through the through the website on the computer, fired it up, and I was a minute ahead. Yeah, and the other part of that too is that um, oftentimes is that the app might be buffering the video. So, for, for example, if it is a game that's on your Roku streaming stick and you're wanting to watch it, you, you click it to, to view it. It's it, it's it's buffering. Maybe it's I don't know, ten, twenty seconds, thirty seconds, maybe a minute or so ahead of time. So it's continually pulling in that that information as you're watching it, and you you don't notice it when you're watching the game unless you see it buffering. Of course, buffering will cause it to slow down. But but oftentimes these days I I don't see a lot of buffering when I'm watching games. It's rare that I get any buffering these days. So um so I mean the hats off to the technology. But I mean, the internet speed's good, so thankfully I haven't had too much of that. I, I know you can't take right with AT and T, Uverse get buffering for now, now and again, or no? Yes, uh, a lot. Yeah, well, so not as much with ESPN Plus. It's been happening with Peacock all the time. I that was one of the NBC things I had written down to talk about this week, but we got into anal- and analysis and Tim Howard and Rebecca Lowe and that stuff. But uh, yeah, it happened twice. It happened twice on Saturday to me where I had problems with Peacock because of buffering and because of internet speeds and where I'd actually lose the picture uh, with uh, ESPN plus it happens less, but maybe it's just random, right? Maybe it's just a uh, uh, bad luck. It happened with Peacock twice in the same weekend in two different matches. Yeah. There's a lot going on behind the scenes too, because I, th- I think sometimes you have certain companies throttling how much bandwidth. You, uh, so Peacock might be one where, why it's Comcast? For me, it's Comcast. So, <laughs> so for me, it comes through. It, it doesn't buffer at all, uh, or ha- hardly ever. But with AT and T, AT and T might be like, all right, let's let's not give the, uh, this guy too much bandwidth on the Peacock. Let's give yeah. him kind of a, a rough experience so that he'll go ahead and sign up for HBO Max and fall in love with it. <laughs> right. uh, I mean, behind the scenes, there is some of that though. That, yeah. that does happen for sure. Because they haven't messed with – now, I would think they'd want to mess with Disney also, but they haven't really messed with the Disney Plus or the ESPN Plus, I've noticed. Hey, but nobody with messes Disney. with Disney. I mean, that's, yeah. you don't go but down that Peacock path. They have. No, that's that's a very <laughs> good point. And I, I think this was the concern all along about uh, the, the, even uh, – 
back in the days when when Time Warner Cable uh, controlled so much of the country, and, and that's now obviously uh, a part of AT and T. But that 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 they would be selective. Oh well, they wouldn't want, and then Comcast bought NBC. Oh, they wouldn't want the NBC channels on Time Warner. That sort of thing. And there's always been this undertone of some of these media wars that are going on, and as these media companies go grow bigger and bigger, and they control more of your lives. There's probably more of this that's going to happen. So one thing we didn't get to, speaking of controlling our lives, Kartik, and actually I mentioned it at the opening of the show, and we should definitely talk about it because we mentioned it, is uh, we talked about the World Cup qualifiers and we talked about Conma Bowl and these games. So these games, uh, by the time you listen to this podcast, it'll be Thursday and uh, the games kick off on Thursday and they go into round one, round two. So for the next 10 days or so, uh, just the common bowl games, World Cup qualifiers, all of them are on pay-per-view. All of them are twenty nine ninety nine, and uh, unless you do a package, uh, except for one game, which is Venezuela against Paraguay, which is live on BN Sports Extra, which is their free free streaming channel. But it, it made me wonder, Kartik, it made me think, uh, in previous years, BN Sports had most of the rights to the Conmebol World Cup qualifiers. So if it was Argentina against Brazil, if it was I mean Colombia against Ecuador, whoever it may be, uh, most of those games were on BN Sports. Now, the qualifiers for the CONCACAF World Cup region, a lot of those games, not, not most, but a lot of those games also were on uh, BN Sports. So you'd have Honduras against uh, USA. You mean you'd have... Uh, TNT against USA. You'd have different games. Oftentimes, the away games, the home games for the US, would be on ESPN or Fox. What's the likelihood? I mean, I guess this is kind of a uh, conjecture, but what's the likelihood that we're going to see a lot of these Concacaf games on pay per view? I mean, the twenty nine ninety five to watch a, uh, a USA against Costa Rica away game uh, in the near future. What What do you think about that? I think it, it's it's a distinct possibility that 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 happens. I think Concacaf at some point will be very aggressive uh, in, in maybe buying back rights and packaging their rights together. They, they, they've obviously um, uh, been a little more decentralized with that in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think I think it's a very strong possibility, and, and in the U.S. it could be a goldmine because of the, uh, the, the 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 need of certain ethnic populations to watch their national teams. Now I don't think this this will this will ever fly with the United States or Mexico, but it probably will fly with the other with everybody else in the confederation. I, I can see it happening, though, with the U.S. games and, and Mexico games. Imagine the Mexico away game. Well, actually, Mexico, it, it, they're so tied in with uh, Univision uh, and to the NA that uh, if they weren't able to work out a deal, I'm sure Telemundo would happily come in to rescue it, to, to, to have it on television. So it's a lot more competitive there. Uh, but the U.S., I could I could see some of these away matches where the, the pay-per-view providers go in and say, hey, Let's let's try and get these rights. This is a great opportunity to to make a ton of money. Um, yes, it's one of those things. The pay per view industry is. I mean, it's going back in time. This feels like we're going back into the nineteen nineties. But the reality is, is out of an audience of a hundred, say a hundred percent of people that would be interested in seeing this game, maybe only ten percent of them would actually be willing to pay to watch it in pay per view. But that ten percent would probably more than make enough money of what they're what they need into in order to break even or, or make make a profit there. 
So yeah, Kartik, I, I can see that happening. I can see a lot of these games, not a lot, a few of these games at least being on pay-per-view, which imagine the backlash that would be happening at that point. I mean, we, we've got people um, screaming and, and uh, having boycotts of Peacock at $5 a month. Uh, imagine a game, one game, twenty nine ninety five, and US fans uh, just going you mean, off, off a cliff on that one. I can see it happening. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. These games won't be until next year, but um, one to keep an eye out for. Just a couple more things too, real fast, Kartik, before we wrap up, is that um, uh, in terms of games to watch during the international break, for me, I know you mentioned NWSL. There's, I think, Sky Blue's playing Chicago on Saturday on uh, CBS All Access. For me personally, it would be uh, England against Wales. I mean, this is a uh, a friendly, but when England plays Wales, it's never a friendly. So I would, I'm really looking forward to seeing this one and seeing how Wales uh, competes against England on this stage, even though there'll be a bunch of players missing. But uh, it still it matters a lot to everyone uh, in England and Wales, probably Wales more than uh, than England on that one. And uh, that's about it. So listeners, if you do have any questions, feedback, opinions for us, uh, do get in touch with us. We'd love to read those out on air. Uh, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And uh, don't forget, every episode is on uh, every Thursday across all of your podcast players and Kartik uh, heading into another weekend uh, a weekend of uh, international break boycott <laughs> uh, on your part but but definitely uh, full of uh, NWSL and, and probably a whole bunch of uh, other games too I'm sure and uh, for me an international break full of uh, Hopefully, some ex- exciting games. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, <laughs> but definitely the the Carnival World Cup qualifiers. I'm looking forward to watching. Kartik, what should they do? Enjoy your football. <laughs> That's better. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.